You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Wednesday, 31 January, still January. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb offices in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, Alex Day, Smith & Bull Wealth, ShopRite update. And if we've got a moment, I want to touch on that Pepco as well. Krishan Gopal from the World Gold Council. We've got the 2023 gold report. Central bankers, are they still buying? And how does AI boost gold demand? Toby van Heerden from 10X Investments. The latest retirement reality report. Frankly, it seems to show we're just not saving enough. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. Forbes Transaction Capital CEO gets a 36 million plus payout and executives get nearly 30 million in bonuses to fix beleaguered SA taxi. And then from Business Day, Transaction Capital aims to list we buy cars on the JSC. The sense came out very late. The majority owner of the car, selling, car seller aims to raise capital as it could face trouble with lenders if SA Taxi misses debt repayments. Morning markets. Yours was red. S&P down 0.1 and NASDAQ off 0.7%. The East is mostly red. Sydney, the exception, up 0.6%. Tokyo's off half a percent. Hong Kong's down 1% and 10 cent off two-thirds of a percent. Commodities mostly red. Gold is your green. 2052. Brent 8250. Platinum 929. Palladium 980. Rand 1882. Bitcoin 42,900. Top 40 opening call. Looking for a red open 165 points or a quarter of a percent down. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Chatting now with uh, Alex Dayson from Bull Wealth. Alex, appreciate the early morning time. Uh, uh, updates are still coming thick and fast. We had ShopRite yesterday. Uh, some moving parts there because, of course, they've got the, the stores they took, they, they bought from uh, MassMart, which sort of boosts the numbers. They claim 58 straight months of market share gains. All in all, I thought not a bad update. And the, the market liked it, pushing the stock higher for a stock that is. I mean, the stock that is expensive, but maybe it always is expensive. Good morning, Simon. Uh, certainly, it is a good update from ShopRite, and there's no indication at all that the momentum is going to stop from a, from a investment perspective and then getting, generating market-leading returns. I think one thing to highlight is it's a bit of a difference between brands. I mean, the ShopRite, the higher LSM brands, continue to do very well, and you see the 66 numbers as well. And but perhaps if you look at the the lower side of the business, the you save and and, and shop run, with inflation moderating quite substantially, and perhaps if you strip out the, the liquor, it does seem to be quite a big slowdown in that part of the business, and that's not a good see through some of the competitors that specifically focuses on the lower LSM. Um, but despite gaining market share, the volume is also down, so that shows you how difficult the overall economic situation is at the moment. Um, so despite gaining markets, you're still selling less year on year uh, products. Um, but I would imagine this this is pretty much in the price at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. You know they probably need to do better for the share price to really go much further, uh, in my opinion. But uh, we'll wait for the details. But I certainly not I'm not seeing anything here that that's concerning me um, at the moment. So very well done to, to the management team there, and uh, as I think they'll continue to go on this path. 
Yeah, it looks like, and as you say, results are 5th of March, so we'll get some more insights from them and, 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 and the details and nuances. Pepco had a, a, a trading update. They've also been picking some market share, most notably in, in babies and school. Uh, the, the two that stood out for me was, was Brazil and, and their tech business, which was FinTech, which is Flash. Both very small in the bigger picture, but having a, a good period. But again, I mean, we've seen these updates. they mid to low, single digit, but certainly the market seems to think that's not bad. Your take on, on, on the PEP call? Yeah, so it's it's clear that cash sales, once again, is under pressure. Uh, once again, PEP call mostly caters for the lower LSM in South Africa, only at 2.4%, while credit sales are 35.2%. So it shows you that online consumers under pressure. Um, probably speaking to what I said about YouSave and, and ShopRite as well. Mm. Um, I think good for for, for, um, for PEPCO Ramos is that the Ackermann results does seem to have turned. That business has been underperforming for quite some time. Um, they also talk about selling at high margin and so forth. So we're seeing a bit of a recovery there. Also a strong January number there. But overall, there's also negative volumes once again in this business, um, specifically in PEPCO and, uh, and uh, Ackermann. So stuff out there. The Avenida business continues to do well, but it's still very small in the bigger scheme uh, of things, but still gave over 10% in, in like-for-like numbers, which is which is a good number. And as you alluded to, the the um, flash business did quite well, and that's due to the credit sales we're seeing in the business. So uh, we don't know what margins and earnings are difficult to say, what update is. Uh, I would say this is probably in line with some of the other updates we've seen. Um, but I think the key positive for me from this number is that Ackermann's doing a little bit better, and that business has been struggling. It's also important to note that Pepco, of course, most of the business is actually schoolwear and baby clothes and so forth. Mm. Um, and that is usually January is usually a very good month for that. Um, so, yeah, I think it remains to be seen how it will pan out uh, over the next quarter or two. Yeah, I take your point. I mean, January, a, a, a big month for them. And, of course, not in these numbers because uh, this was to end in December. We'll leave it there. Alex Dace on Thumbo Wealth. Always appreciate the early morning insights. When you stay invested over time in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money's in for some smooth sailing. With our global partners, J.P. Morgan Asset Management at the helm, your money can withstand the pressure and bad weather day-to-day market conditions cause. All aboard? Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting with Krishan Gopal, senior analyst at the World Gold Council. Krish, appreciate the time today. Your Q4 and obviously the, the 2023 report is out. Four year mining production up 1%, supply up 3%. Did we get a new record for production? I know we were close as we chatted through the quarterly reports last year. Yeah, that's right, Simon. So while mine production did post another gain in 2023, as you say, up 1% to 3,644 tonnes, it actually just fell short (laughs) of the previous record set in 2018. So we saw a strong half in 2023, but unfortunately the growth rate slowed in the second half. So that led to an overall marginal decline in the level of production in gold. Central banks, one of the key features of the last couple of years has been central bank buying. It was a little low last year, compared a little lower than 2022. Probably some turkey sales we'd seen in the beginning. But central banks are still in a buying spree. And frankly, it looks like it could continue into this year. 
And you're absolutely right. So um, 2023, we saw a second successive year of more than a thousand tons of demand from central banks, which, you know, after a thousand tons and over a thousand tons in 2022, we weren't really expecting. So it really shows the strength in central bank demand, even in 2023. And that really reinforces the trend that we've seen since 2010, that central banks have been accumulating gold at a relatively impressive pace. And as you say, looking into 2024, our expectations are that that's likely to continue. Some of the things that central banks have mentioned to us Mm -hmm. in terms of what is important for holding gold, things like its performance in times of crisis, its ability to act as inflation hedge, those are still very much relevant as we're talking here in January 2024 and and don't seem things that are likely to change anytime soon. So our expectations, as I mentioned, was that going into the rest of this year, central banks are very much likely to be buyers of gold again. The difficulty is knowing how much. Yeah, but I take a point. We might not know how much, but certainly they are buyers. Tech, and this really is digging into the smaller numbers, because it's actually an AI story here to a degree. Uh, technology had a strong fourth quarter, expecting probably to be robust in 2024. It's small, but it's a demand for chips, which has obviously been driven by AI, and there's some gold in that circuitry. Absolutely. Many people may not know that gold is used in circuitry and chips, which feature in all manner of devices, such as phones that you're using, the computers, smoke alarms. Mm. So the gold's role in technology is, is quite prevalent. But as you mentioned, they tend to be used in incredibly small quantities. But what we're seeing more recently, the drive and the frenzy around AI and the chips needed to support that, as well as the existing electronic devices that we use, mm. continue to kind of create a role for gold within the technology space. And that's why, as you say, small relative to other sectors within the gold market, technology still sees a really robust and and consistent level of demand year to year. Two things that did surprise me. One was recycling. It was up 9%. And and maybe I'm just not in tuned enough here. I would have thought perhaps a higher recycling number considering the elevated gold price. Or is a 9% jump fairly significant? It's a good question. I think certainly the increase that we did see in recycling was a function of the higher gold prices that we Mm -hmm. saw in 2023. I think gold prices hit records in most currencies. So it really shows you the strength that we saw. But I think it's the short-term increases in the gold price that really count. In 2023, Mm -hmm. the increase that we saw was enough to elicit some demand, sorry, recycling apologies, but maybe not a significant amount. And I think part of that reason is due to the near market supplies, as we term it. So it's the amount of gold that is readily available to come out onto the market depending on what the price does. So I think lower levels of that have also limited the level of of gold recycling that we saw last year. So that's Mm. a key reason. Okay, gotcha. The other head scratcher for me is ETFs still seeing outflows third year in a row. We've got gold just off the record highs. You mentioned the uncertainty out there, the inflation, the geopolitical risk. I'm always surprised that we aren't seeing more demand in the ETF space. Instead, we're seeing outflows. Yeah, it's a good point. Certainly, the ETF uh, space seems to have bucked the trend in terms of where investment has gone. We did, you're right, see the third year of outflows, and I think that was pretty consistent across different regions. Mm. Um, For most of the year, we saw outflows. 
Now, I think one of the key reasons for that is probably the backdrop of the economic and geopolitical environment. Certainly on the the economic side, I think very much investors, gold and more broadly, are watching what the central banks are doing. So the Fed, the Mm -hmm. ECB and, and other central banks around the world where they have been increasing rates. And now there are increasing questions about whether it's time for rates to kind of stay on hold or come down. And I think at the moment, there's just a level of uncertainty. And through much of 2023, obviously, we were still seeing increases. And because of gold's negative relationship with interest rates, so as interest rates go up, the opportunity cost of gold goes up, which means it's less attractive compared to other assets, served as a challenge to ETF investment. And that's why we saw the outflows over the year. Yeah, and I suppose although we're sitting here with uncertainty, let's be clear, the pandemic 2020 was way heightened uncertainty. Quick last question. You say the effects of soft landing, you see them as neutral to mildly positive for gold. If I put all of this together, what we've been chatting about, the central banks and the like, gold should have a decent 2024. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we look at the backdrop that we're currently in, certainly, you know, the uncertainty we just mentioned, mm-hmm. the economic backdrop, and, and certainly the geopolitical situation, they haven't significantly improved. And moving into 2024, obviously, it's a big election year for many yeah. countries around the world, which obviously poses an additional challenge. Now, I think there are a number of factors within that that kind of do provide a level of support for gold. And certainly, we could see that in several different sectors, as we mentioned, central banks or already i'm sure investment too but obviously you know as we move in through the year it obviously has to play out those events and we have to see how they have an impact but i certainly think as we've mentioned in our outlook certainly we feel that there is certainly cause for optimism around gold we'll leave it to krishan gopal senior analyst at the world gold council always appreciate the insights your money gives a damn if it could protest and sign petitions your money would but your money can do more than that When you invest in Stanlib's Infrastructure Investment Fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on The Money. I'm chatting with Toby von Heerden. He's 10X Investments CEO. The sixth edition of the 10X Investments Retirement Reality Report came out. This, of course, being for 2023. Toby, appreciate the time. The number that comes out again, and this is a number that hasn't changed in recent years and is probably a universal to a degree. Only some 6% of South Africans are ready for retirement. And I've seen it before. And every time I see that number, it horrifies me, to be honest. It's a terrifying number. Morning, Simon. Yeah, thank you for your time. It is not a great number. I mean, the 6% is really it's people being comfortable about their retirement. So that's mm-hmm. having the same quality of life as what you had pre and post retirement. So it's a super low number and very disturbing, yes. What we're also seeing is that folks over 50%, what, 29% of them, it's that their plans are definitely not or probably not on track. That's alarming as well because at that late age, not a heck lot you can do. You can increase contributions, you can delay retirement, but you've got less time left. That's the big crux. Yeah, so that's actually, you know, the reality starts kicking in sort of over 50, I suppose, you know, 55, 60, as you get to retirement, you start doing some numbers. And that's when people actually realize they left it too late. You know, the number is if you've not saved enough up until 50 and you think you're going to start saving at 50, your contribution rate needs to be close to 50% of your salary 
to make up for what you've left, you know, not starting early enough. Yeah, yeah. And the reality is, I mean, you know, it's not that we're out here dissing the folks who aren't saving for retirement. It is tough out there. And that certainly comes through quite starkly in the report. You know, we talk around high unemployment. We talk around high inflation, high interest rates. It is tough being a consumer. And a lot of folks just can't afford to save. I mean, that is true. And it's interesting. I mean, we've 10X have been running the server now for the last six years. And that number has stayed pretty static through, you know, we had COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, starting in 2020. And then now interest rates, massive, massive inflation coming through. And actually, you know, the actual inflation on the street is probably much higher than what we see in the stats. But the number has stayed pretty static at around 70% of people saying they don't, you know, just don't have enough to save. However, the interesting stat for me was just the second one Mm. around that where 36% of people saying they just start too late. I think is one that is much more movable for us in terms of education and knowledge and all sorts of things like that. Yeah, and it's simply just, just getting in a decade or three earlier. Do we have a gender breakdown in terms of, I mean, are we seeing better responses from men or women or perhaps fairly equal? Yes, we do do a gender breakdown between men and women. Again, that's pretty interesting where more men are roughly, you know, 15% more men are saving more than women. And that is partly because, you know, men are typically the breadwinners mm-hmm. in the family. So they, yes, they are saving more. But the interesting number is when men save, one, they save more. So the percentage of their salary is higher than that of females. Mm-hmm. And secondly, females tend to be much more risk conscious. So they take lower risk investment strategies when I do invest, you know, which is also prevalent because you need to take risk actually through your whole investment cycle in order to be commensurate with the higher returns, the higher numbers that you need at retirement. Yeah, if you've got the time on your side, you can take that risk. The other number that really bit me on the nose, only 37% could give a definitive answer on the costs associated with their retirement product. And 10x, part of your DNA is around costs. Those costs can have a significant impact. And really, we should know what they are. Very much so. You know, at 10X, we've proud ourselves to come out with, you know, sort of the lowest cost in the industry, but with a high quality product in terms of investment performance as well. You know, but that number of 37% is also on equal terms with the number of people that believe they've got a good knowledge and understanding of retirement. But I still believe there's a behavioral bias in that. You know, it's that analogy of, you know, on average, how many people think they're better than the average driver? You know, you get 80% of people (laughs) saying they're better than a driver. And I think the same goes with that because the stats doesn't back up the fact that 36% of people think they know the cost and they know a lot about or they know enough about investments. You know, if only 6% can actually then retire well, Mm. you know, that the two doesn't matter each other. Yeah, I, I take your point. A last one, and we've been saying a lot that there's not much happening, but not enough savings happening. And there has been a slight decrease here, but the number of people who feel they are saving for retirement effectively, it's 31 from 33. There are folks out there who are trying, notwithstanding the challenges out there. And, and it's not a case of you know throwing everyone under the bus and saying we must try harder. I mean, that's true. It is a bit of a bleak report, but as you mentioned, you know, the numbers stay pretty flat. The reality, though, is, again, you know, for me, the biggest stat out of this whole survey, one of the biggest ones, mm-hmm. was actually when people get to the point of retirement, whereas in the previous year, in 2022, 70% of people that got into retirement said, I'm able to retire on my own free will. That means, you know, you get to retirement age, you take your letter, yeah. and you're now going into retirement, 70%. This year, only 60% said, they are able to do that. So that's where the reality is hitting home when you get to that point, and that number is dropping very fast. 
Yeah, I take your point on that. And it comes back to it's around the education so that we know to start early, so that we know to care about fees because they matter almost as much as when we start. We'll leave it there. Toby Van Heerden, 10X Investments CEO. Always appreciate the time. And that's our poll today, LinkedIn and Twitter. How's your retirement plans looking? It is tough out there. Uh, This is a global challenge that we have around retirement. It's not unique to South Africa. But how are your retirement plans looking? Maybe they're doing great. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you haven't even started yet, as Toby said, starting sooner rather than later. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and Twitter. MoneyWeb at Midday is South Africa's fastest-paced audio news and current affairs show. Give me 30 minutes and I'll give you the country and the world. This is what you missed. Because of government inefficiencies, you're looking at the fuel levy in a sense as a a cash cow, taking hard-earned tax money from citizens to compensate for government inefficiencies. Live at noon weekdays and then up as a podcast on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb at Midday with me, Jeremy Max when you need relevant news quickly in your own time. That's it for today. We're chatting with Ottawa from uh, Tribe SA yesterday about local retailer trading updates. They're still coming thick and fast. We asked your opinion on what we have seen thus far. 40% said fair, not great. And I think that's probably a fair assessment. Uh, expectations were, however, quite low. Third said better than expected. The rest were saying they were poor. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and Twitter. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobohle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. If you're loving the show, please leave us a positive rating in your podcatcher of choice. And we'll trade again tomorrow. Trade Outlook for 2024. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.